Very early in the morning of the first day of the week, the women went to the tomb bringing fragrant spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. They didn't know what to make of this. Suddenly, two men were standing beside them in gleaming, bright clothing. The women were frightened, and they bowed their heads toward the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He isn't here, but has been raised. On that same day, two disciples were traveling to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. While they were discussing these things, Jesus himself arrived and joined them on their journey. They were prevented from recognizing him. When they came to Emmaus, he acted as if he was going on ahead, but they urged him, saying, Stay with us. It's nearly evening, and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. After he took his seat at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They got up right then and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying to each other, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Simon. Then the two disciples described what had happened along the road and how Jesus was made known to them as he broke the bread. You know, I think it's interesting that as the years pass, the idea of celebrating something that happened 2,000 years ago does end up just feeling a little bit remote. You know, we're confronted with newspaper headlines, with events that are going on around us. We're confronted with things that are happening to us things that are happening to our loved ones. And it can seem almost irrelevant to try and put that in a context that's so ancient history. Even us, you know, being here in this chapel, you know, is a bit of an anachronism, you know. What are we here for? What do we expect to think or feel or find by coming along? And yet... Particularly on Easter Day, we do come together. There, there are particular Sundays, which is, are called in the church, Days of Obligation. And those are the days when, you know, you really had to turn up. Uh, and, you know, in the old days, there were loads of Days of Obligation. And all the saints' days, you know, Christmas. Nowadays, there's pretty much only one. Which means that, you know, if you are going to a church or something... And you don't go to church on Easter Day, you have to have a jolly good reason for not doing it. You know, we still come along on that Easter Sunday. Why? Why do we come? Because in spite of everything that's personal to us, 
in our lives and all that's going on around us, we also recognize that there is something universal going on, something that we are part of by the very nature that we're human, something that's bigger than ourselves. And it's the stories that we remember that define who we are. It's the stories that we remember that define who we are. We inherit the stories of previous generations. You know, the myths and legends, the superheroes, the antiheroes, all as a way of telling us the great story of our history. And that history, those stories that we hear change as the years go down. You know, we are no longer the generation of Dick Tracy and the Lone Ranger. Although I can see some of you out there that were the generation of Dick Tracy and the Lone Ranger. They told specific stories. We are now the generation of Black Panther and Coco. You know, those two, I don't know if you've seen those films, those are stories that almost couldn't have been told in the way that they're told 50 years ago. But they're being told now. And the message that are in those stories shape who we are and what we tell ourselves as being part of a society. Because they are stories that reflect our modern society. And those stories are ones that are contained by even bigger stories that are within our history. Stories like Pocahontas, the story of Lincoln, of William Wilberforce, the story of Francis of Assisi, of Robin Hood, of Antony and Cleopatra, the story of Alexander the Great, the story of Odysseus, of the Iliad, of Noah and of Abraham. You know, whether you like it or not, you know, you are made up of those stories. They are part of who you are and they inform us as to who we are. They tell us about the abolition of slavery. They tell us of the freedom from poverty. They tell us of the desire for adventure. They tell us of the gods. And they tell us of the formation of the world. And it is through these stories that we learn what it is to be human. And these stories, they're bigger than our own little stories. They're bigger than our politics. They're bigger than our health. They're even bigger than our wealth. They're even bigger than the death of our loved ones. They're bigger than our own personal stories. We live through our personal and local stories. They affect how we feel. And those stories govern our disposition. But it's the universal big stories that tell us who we really are, who we could be, and what we might be able to achieve with our lives. And there's no bigger universal story than the story of the resurrection. That is the story that we're celebrating here today. We come together like this to remind ourselves of what's really important in life and what has always been really important. And that is that love triumphs over all. That is the story that we're telling ourselves here today. That is the story that's the most important story, that love triumphs over all. 
Greater love has no man than he lay down his life for his friend. And in that spirit of love, we have a story here of a man who was innocent and yet lay down his life for all who were to come after him. And you know, that story still resonates today in the sacrifices by the few for the many. Only last week we heard that story of the heroism of Colonel Arnold Beltram offering himself as a hostage in that siege in Trebes in France and dying as a result of that. We are celebrating here the fact that love triumphs over death. We are remembering the story that after three days Jesus rose again from the dead and love triumphed. And that, that's actually why we're here, to remind ourselves of that. Because more often than not, in our lives, we think about death triumphing over love. That, that's what we tend to live in that story. We think of wars and outrages. We think of our personal sorrow. We think of public grief. We think of the fears that we have for ourselves and for those around us. We live with those fears. And in our hearts, we let death triumph over love. But that really isn't who we are. That's not who we really are. The story of the resurrection tells us that. It tells us that, no, it's not death that triumphs, but love. It tells us there is more to life than what we see in front of us. It tells us that someone trusted in that love and came through. And that's the lesson. That's, we can do that too. You know, here in the valley, we look around and we, we see the beautiful mountains, we see the wonderful scenery, and it's why we come here. Because there's a unique atmosphere here. And elsewhere, we look around and we can see the anguish and death. You know, and often we just don't want to face that. We want to be in a place where it's not there. We come here to see beauty. We come together on Easter Day to remember that love is supreme. And that is why Easter is important. It's one of those stories that defines us and tells us who we are. And it also tells us who we might become. Someone once said, it's never too late to become the person you might have been. It's never too late to become the person that you might have been. The story of the resurrection tells us that we don't have to be defined by death, by failure, by lack, by worry, by trouble. We don't have to be defined by the newspaper headlines, by politics. We don't have to be defined by violence. There is something deeper within us, if we allow it to come out, that can triumph over all of that. And you know, we do know it in our hearts. We know it together at times like this. We know it in our families. We know it from our friends. But trouble comes along and we do choose to forget it. We forget who we really are. That like Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God. That we do have a divine nature. And within us is that greatest love. And I always think it's worth reading. People say, you know, how complicated the Bible is and difficult to understand and, you know, irrelevant but when you read that passage about love, I mean, just think about this, you know, this is straight from the Bible. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Because love never fails. That's such a clear message. And, and that is the message of the resurrection. That's what this is all about. That's what Jesus died for. And it's worth remembering. And that's why we all come together. It's the stories that we choose to remember that define us. We choose to remember Dr. Martin Luther King. We choose to remember Robert Kennedy. We choose to remember Colonel Arnold Beltram. And we do so because it tells us what we value and what we seek to become. And in that spirit, we choose to remember the resurrection of Jesus. And then there is also the story that we tell ourselves about our own lives. The story that we make up as we go along. And that also tells us who we are. Do we tell the story of a victim or a hero when we tell the story of our lives? Is it the story of a victim? What is the guiding principle of the story that we tell ourselves about our own lives? And how do we think it will end? Because just as history and the great tales will tell us about the influ- and influence the way we are, so do the stories we tell about ourselves. And we have to be aware of the tale, what sort of tale that we're telling ourselves about our own lives. Is it, as Macbeth, Shakespeare's Macbeth suggests, that life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of fury and sound, signifying nothing. Is that the story we tell ourselves? Or is it, as T.S. Eliot suggests, that at the end of the four quartets, that we shall not cease from exploration And the end of all our exploration will be to arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time. And all shall be well, and all manner shall be well. When the tongues of flames are enfolded into a knot of fire crowned on our heads, and the fire and the rose are one. Those are two very different stories about how life is lived. And we can tell those stories about our own lives. One suggesting that life is meaningless and that whatever we do will make no difference at all. And another, a vision of an iridescent flame of love that we live as a part of. Just as we choose the stories from history, we choose to define our values. So we also have to tell ourselves the truth about what story we're telling in our own lives. Is your story defined by death or is it defined by love? Because to be defined by death is to be preoccupied with a fear of failure, with the worry about not getting what we want, the insistence that we are subject to the power of others. All that is a story of captivity. No matter how you dress it up, 
to be subject to that death, to be subject to failure, to be subject to others, to feel that you can't get out of it, is the story of captivity. The other story is one of living in the freedom of love, where whatever happens to us is just another opportunity to celebrate the love that's at the center of our lives. A love that gives us complete freedom to express our love, whatever happens, however bad it feels, whatever goes on in our lives, if we feel that that diagnosis or that sudden loss gives us an opportunity to express that love, it's not captivity. It's love that we're able to give out, even though we may not feel that things are going particularly well. So we're not subject to the outcome. It's not a story of captivity. And that is the nature of the resurrection. It is an understanding that the full stops in life, and the crucifixion did seem like a full stop, the full stops in life are really just a part of a greater paragraph. And that tells a narrative of love and a greater story that goes on beyond even that paragraph. The crucifixion was a full stop. Our diagnosis is a full stop. The death of a loved one is a full stop. Our crushing disappointment is a full stop. But it's not necessarily the end of the paragraph. It's not the end of the chapter. And it's certainly not the end of the story. And having love as the basis of life means that we can understand that. We have the choice, last paragraph, so you can relax. We have the choice as to what story our lives tell, just as Jesus did. He chose to tell the story of a love supreme. And let's make sure that we're telling the same story so that others might see the effect that love really can have on the world. Amen. So let's pray. And out of that spirit of love, we lift ourselves up and open ourselves to that divine love that's available to us. We think of ourselves, our small community here, and we, we think of our valley. Think of all those who are on the mountain at the moment, those who are working, those on ski patrol, those who are just enjoying themselves. We just pray for safety in our valley. We pray for our state. We think of those who are in difficulty here. Pray for our world. We think of all those places where there is conflict and anger and violence. And we pray that that love might seep in there. We pray for our leaders that they may seek to tell the story of love rather than the story of death. We pray for the effect they have on all those around them. And we pray for all those who are suffering at the moment. Pray for all those suffering the effects of disaster, of war, of famine, of poverty, people in difficulty. Pray for people in prisons, People with no hope this Easter time. 
Pray for people who are hungry and homeless, people living in fear of their lives, in war zones and in occupied territories, people feeling oppressed and in captivity. And we pray that the love in the world may be there to release them from those situations. And we make special prayer for those who are dear to us as our little community here. We pray for Patricia Hill, Patricia Nichols, for Will Welsh, for Barbara Orcutt, for Betty Vanderveer, for Sandy St. John, for Father Joseph Boyle. Pray for Father Thomas Keating, for Bill Archer, for Ken Hammersley, for Nathan Morse, for Sophie Layton, for MJ Elijah, just recovering from an operation yesterday. And we also pray for Casey. Lord, we just send your healing power to those people and ask you to bless them. In Jesus' name, amen.